0: It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 214, with Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com and Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. This week, Apple Vision Pro, Apple Vision Pro, and Apple Vision Pro. Hey, Gary, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, It's been an eventful week in Apple land. You know, I was just going to just cut to the chase and say that I have a suspicion I know what the topic for most of this episode is going to be. So (laughs) just go right ahead and dive in on that sucker.
1: Yeah. Uh, So uh, I, of course, Friday was the launch of Apple's new hardware. I mean, their first real new computer, a totally new computing platform since the iPad, really. Um, The Apple Vision Pro. And I'm actually using it right now to record this. So... Yeah, I know it's kind of silly. It's an audio podcast, <laughs> but it does work uh, in terms of doing that. It's got microphones. It's got, uh, you know, the speakers for me to hear. So it works as a headset, um, even though we're not using any video portion of it. Um, it does have you, a Zoom app.
0: You do you do sound good. I mean, the, the audio quality is is right on. I would not necessarily have identified yep. it as being anything other than a normal microphone.
1: Yeah, Apple does, always does a really good job with that stuff. Um, there's a, so we record, we've recorded every episode since the beginning on Zoom. Right. Uh, which means that we started using Zoom before it became popular. Uh, the The idea being that we can just do a Zoom call and just use the record function and podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> easy, right. easy way to do it. Uh, so there is a Zoom app. It's one of the initial apps for the Apple Vision Pro. The Zoom app isn't, it, you know, it's first version for Apple Vision Pro. It actually has a lot of features, a lot of things you would expect to use. One of those that I couldn't find, at least, was the recording option. Right. Um, so I'm actually that's why uh, you're seeing you're seeing me twice, two right. of me, because one is my Mac just doing the normal starting a meeting up recording, and then on my Apple Vision Pro, I called in uh, to the meeting. Um, and I, you know, I mute the Mac and I'm just doing this all over over Apple Vision Pro, but we get the recording from, from my Mac and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it works out. It it works good. It works fine for this. Uh, it, one thing that I, you know, I'm surprised because I didn't expect this is the spatial sound. Uh, I moved the zoom window off to the right, uh, in my space and I've got my, Mac window in front where it shows, um, things like the, uh, uh, you know, uh, screen that we look at to kind of share documents and all that. Right. Our, our show notes uh, and so forth. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, uh, I, the spatial audio puts you in my right ear now, but if I move that window to the left, Ooh. you're in my left ear now. That's true. yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of neat. It's so the sound comes from the window. You know, the window position. But anyway, probably getting ahead of myself, right? Because, you know, I haven't even talked about what this thing is yet. A lot to cover. Uh, we've here. talked about it before on the show. Yeah, a lot to cover. Um, but basically, you know, assuming that most people kind of know what it is, you know, it's the VR, AR uh, glasses you put on and all that stuff, really expensive thing from Apple, their spatial computer. Um, I got it on a Friday afternoon. I, you know, uh, started using it right away. And I've been using it pretty much nonstop since, uh, at least for my computing time. I haven't really done much uh, that's on my Mac or at least just on my Mac. I've done okay. certainly uh, things using my Mac in a window on Apple Vision Pro. So using the Apple Vision Pro as the Mac screen, mm-hmm. but I have um, been doing all my work. I mean, like today I made a regular Mac Most video just about Mac stuff, how to do some things in the Finder. And I edited it completely through the Apple vision pro, you know, using Mac software, but the screen was my Apple vision pro. I had the thing on the whole time. I've been doing all my email replies, messaging, uh, keeping up with YouTube comments, all that stuff, wearing it. And, uh, and I'm really impressed. Like it's completely, uh, exceeded my expectations. Um, and I, I really was prepared not to be, you know, to be like, well, yeah, it's first generation, it's kind of right, neat. Right. But I'm, yeah. I am, I'm so into it now. Uh, the, the first of all, the the clarity is fantastic. I mean, you know, putting them on and it's just everything looks great, bright and crisp and clear and all that. Um, it really, it's really all around you you know, in every direction, it's, it's really incredible. You can really put up tons of windows. It almost strikes me, um, you know, a lot of people comparing it to the iPad since that was the last thing Apple came out with. That was a whole new system, really, unless you count like the Apple Watch or something. Um, but it, in a way, it's the opposite of the iPad. The iPad this one screen. And for a while, all you could have is one app at a time, like on your phone. And even now, it's like basically two, maybe two and a half apps at the same time on the screen. Mm -hmm. This is like the opposite of that. This is like more things than you could possibly imagine. Like fill your environment with rectangles showing stuff, web browsers, mail messages, word processing, uh, another browser window, uh, settings. I mean, just stick stuff everywhere. So it's, you know, the mold, yeah. Is there
0: an equivalent to like screen resolution? I mean, how big is this screen that you're wearing? (sighs)
1: You know, I it's one of the questions I had, and I've just given up trying to actually even <laughs> think about that because the thing is, it's where you're looking. So the so the number of pixels in the this in each individual display doesn't enter into the equation because those pixels are not being used. Like if I, so, I'm looking straight ahead at my browser window now, and mm-hmm. the zoom window is off to my left now. Still, there's no pixels rendering the zoom window, but if I l- turn my head, there's a zoom window, right? So to me, it feels like the zoom window is always there. Matter of fact, I can see the edge of it, right, in the in my vision. Right. So I can easily say, well, there's a lot of pixels, but no pixels are actually being used to generate the zoom window because it's out of sight now until I quickly turn my head and it's right. all there. So the, the limited number of pixels, which are a lot, there's still a lot of pixels in this, mm-hmm. it, there's constantly dynamically being used. And, you know, so having like, you know, imagine like what, sort of computer screens you would need to display tons of browser windows and development windows and video editing windows and all that you need all these screens to see them at once Mm -hmm. but here it's just all there it's just where you're looking which is true for real computer screens too one of the things that always bothered me about having multiple screens because i used to do three at a time now Mm -hmm. i just do two um was that well i've got these three screens i can't look at them all at once right like if I look at the screen on the left, I am not seeing the screen on the right at all. And if I'm looking at the one at the center, I can the, I can see the two on the sides are there, but I'm not actually using those pixels until I look, right? So I have a lot of pixels that aren't being used. And this kind of feels like a better way to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I have all these windows, but it's only using the pixels in the display to show me what I'm actually looking at.
0: Mm-hmm. So if things seem a little uh, interrupted or if we start uh, talking to or replicating or duplicating what we just said, it's because imagine that we had a small glitch. We actually suddenly got disconnected. And unfortunately, Gary was speaking for some unknown amount of time without it being recorded. <laughs> so we're we're making a wild guess as to exactly where that started. And of course, now I'll be paying much more attention in case it happens in the future. But uh, Gary, carry on. You were talking about... Um, the the naturalness of being able to look right and left and see windows and how it compared to having multiple monitors and how it was rock steady I think was a phrase I heard.
1: yeah yeah rock steady I mean it's um yeah it, it like you know I may have uh, said already that you know it's hard when somebody walks into the room to not point at something that you see mm-hmm. and then you know be like look at that doesn't that look cool um, and I don't know if you, you caught the part where I was talking about 3D movies and no, no nope, immersive, nope, not at all. Okay, so yeah, so Disney Plus has a bunch of 3D movies, mm-hmm. um, Star Wars stuff, and in animated stuff, and uh, Marvel, um, and it it's like the best 3D you can possibly imagine. So you've got you know, the real thing, it's like super crystal clear, not like in a movie theater where I think it right. kind of looks a little blurry in a movie theater. Right, right. Uh, yeah, by definition, it almost has to, yeah. Yeah, It's this is fantastic because you're getting a real image uh, individually tailored for each eye. Right. Um. But it is, you know, a regular 3D movie. So it's still on a rectangle, big rectangle. You make the rectangle look like it covers a wall of your house, but <laughs> it's still a rectangle. Right. Uh, And it, it looks great. Uh Apple's actually got some immersive 3D. And that is 3D, but it basically is 180 degrees, not just side to side, but top to bottom, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as you're watching this film, you can look up, down at the ground, all the way to the left, all the way to the right. Uh, and that is it's just incredible to watch, um, just being able to see all these different perspectives and and uh, what's going on around you. Uh, you feel like when things come up to you like there's a nature documentary on it mm-hmm. uh you know you feel like they're actually coming right up to you um and that's that was just super incredible to watch and uh, apple's got a bunch of that content coming but not only is apple have a bunch of the content of that, uh, that content coming but i can't see a lot of filmmakers staying away from that <laughs> format as soon as they see a demo of this Well, there's that it really I makes mean, you want to eventually you know we'll have to talk about adoption
0: and, and cost and so forth i mean yes mm-hmm. Um, you know the filmmakers it's it's complicated because there've always been some good technologies that they just haven't been able to invest in because the audience wasn't quite there yet. so but still, right, yeah but they didn't have this, this is very promising for sure
1: it is I mean yeah you know, before no matter how much money you spent on the cameras to get it right um, if nobody had anything to be able to watch it, it didn't help right, right. But now Apple be able to say oh we've sold a hundred thousand, we've sold a million or whatever and you know there'll be there'll be this audience uh, for it. Um, So that's, it's really, really amazing stuff. Um, There's some game, there are only a few games now, but some of them are immersive. Some of them you can, you know, you're actually using your hands. There's no controller with the Apple vision pro, but it tracks your hands really accurately. And uh, most, like most of the time when it not only tracks your hands, but your eyes too. Um, And you can, you know, you click on things in the interface normally by looking at them and just pinching with your index finger and thumb. And I, and I even had this thing where I didn't notice, like, you know, you make that gesture with the index finger or your thumb to pinch something. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, my entire life, I sometimes use my index finger and sometimes I use my middle finger. <laughs> I only learned that starting Friday because occasionally I would say, boy, it's really glitchy. It's not always getting my clicks. And then I noticed that sometimes I pinch with my thumb and middle finger. Interesting. And that's not a click. Now that I've recognized that and I use my thumb and index finger, it's 100% accurate. So I'm like, wow, it really knows which I can now try in uh, thumb and middle finger. And it's like, nope, 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 every time. So that's the kind of accuracy. And it's both hands. So you have kind of not quite multi-touch. You've, you've kind of got this weird thing where you can look at one thing at a time and you've got these two clicks, your left and right, you know, hands. Mm-hmm to do things but you actually can reach out into the interface and touch things also and it's not really obvious from everything apple's shown before but there are things where you know it's like oh i want to grab that over there well i can look at it and click with my with a pinch but i could actually reach out and touch it with my finger sometimes the windows are far away i mean you know you're Mm -hmm. virtually putting it like on a wall right so what's not obvious but if i bring a window close to me I can reach out and place the text cursor by actually touching where I want it to go. Or in some interfaces, like there's a DJ app, which actually call DJ, and you get a, a 3D, like, you know, two turntable system with, you know, dials and all that stuff. Uh, you could reach out with your hands and actually manipulate the controls like they're physically there, which was like as soon as I saw that, I, I want more interfaces to support that. <laughs> right. Like right. I really want to see, you know, that like I you know, I almost imagined it would be great to have a word processor that's actually a typewriter. Uh, you and I are just old enough to remember maybe having to reach out and actually turn the the uh what what was it called the dial or the the, the
0: pat well yeah turning the the patent, I think is what it was called. Um, yeah. You have to slide it from the left
1: to right or right to left. I can't even remember anymore. Or, or just even, feed, you know, the just t- t- turn it to yeah. go up and down the lines. Yep, yep. I mean, it's like you could do that <laughs> with this, um, you know, but there's a lot also just the idea of having these physical controls on the DJ thing. I was thinking, oh, there's a lot, like, it would be great to have a bunch of sliders for, say, working in Photoshop, you know and actually be able to reach out and adjust these sliders and hit these buttons that are there in space. Sure. Yep. Uh, and, and certainly it's possible because it's already been demonstrated in some of these early apps here. Um, it's uh, it's really impressive. And uh, even when you type, there's, you know, besides voice dictation and hooking up a Bluetooth keyboard or, you know, not really a Bluetooth keyboard but an Apple Bluetooth keyboard, right. um, you can type with a virtual keyboard which has two modes. There's one mode where you stare at a letter and then you tap with your index, you know, with your, you do the pinch. Right. And that seems like, Oh, that would be hard to type. It's actually not. It's incredible how fast your eyes can move and your, and how your hand and your eyes can be coordinated and you can hmm. tap out letters super fast that way. Um, but it's all, you can also just type like in air by tapping the letters with your, your fingers. Right. And it, it's not that bad for actually for some people who already have trouble, say typing on an iPhone or typing on a regular keyboard. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be about the same speed of typing this way for people right. that are super fast touch typists. Of course, it's not going to be any substitute for a keyboard, but for typing out like messages and, uh, or even a one or two sentence reply to an email, mm-hmm. I found it perfectly fine. Uh, so that's really cool to see. Um, the, uh, yeah. When working with a Mac, so you can bring up, you can make your Mac screen a virtual screen inside of this. And when working with that, your trackpad and keyboard work just as normal. Okay. Um, plus, if you actually do stare at another window, the trackpad actually will work through your Mac to control that other window. So you can suddenly have like trackpad on your on your Mac and on other windows at the same time. Um, um, the virtual screen for the Mac is fantastic.
0: So, of course, we've had another glitch. Um, it's been interesting. We're soldiering through. But this time, I suspect that Gary will sound just a little bit different. My suspicion <laughs> is that um, Zoom on the Apple Vision Pro may not be fully baked yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it threw me out a second time. And right. um, so, yeah, I, I you know, everything else on my Apple Vision Pro was fine which sure. is actually how you messaged me to tell me I was silent. I
0: got it. Oh, that's right. You got the you got the text message on your, uh, yeah. your
1: Vision Pro. Yeah. So it looks like, you know, the Zoom app may need some uh, uh fine tuning. You know, the weird thing about software development is of course the people at a company like Zoom would have been able to develop this custom app for the Apple Vision Pro, but until Friday, the only way they could have tested it would mm-hmm. have been to have somebody, you know, in New York or or San Francisco you know, go to Apple and right. test it out. And that's hard when you have to test a, a, uh, you know, a meeting type of app like that. Sure. So, uh, sure. but now starting Friday, I'm sure a bunch of people in the zoom offices have them <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't be They're surprised. with the, the first app to update, but yeah, you know what, it, it, it holds out for about 10 minutes and then it seems to just kind of lose the connection. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. I, I, yeah, I was talking about like how it is to work on the Mac um, the back window is great uh i've been, so i've been doing a lot of work uh, over the last few days exactly that way where i bring up my app uh, whether it's screenflow or whether it's xcode for uh, programming uh on my back, but i'm doing it on the uh using a virtual screen on the apple vision pro mhm I'm sitting in the same place, but instead of looking at a 27 inch Apple studio display, mm-hmm. I'm looking at probably the equivalent to like a 40 or 50 inch uh, large display mm-hmm. in front of me um, and working in that app. And then on the sides, I may have like the mail app open and may have Safari, may have messages. So I have all these displays around me. Most of them are Apple vision pro virtual displays. And the one in the middle is basically screen mirroring the Mac, except that the keyboard, it's not just screen mirroring, because the keyboard and trackpad work as well. Um, so really very little difference between using my Mac, you know, either way, except I have a bigger screen and it is very nice and clear and it looks great. Uh so I've been really happy with that. And that means I really don't have any reason to not use the Apple Vision Pro. Um, I have been worried, you know, I've been thinking that well, is this going to have the same effect when you, you know, when you first get an iPad and I would force myself to use it for work for an hour. And then at the end of the hour, be like, oh, okay, the hour's over. I could switch back to my Mac now, <laughs> you know, and get some real work done, right. Mm-hmm. And get things done at normal, hundred percent speed. Right. Um, I'm not feeling that with this. I'm Very feeling, cool. I'm feeling kind of like uh, I'm just going to keep using it, you know, just keep going. Uh, no reason so, so to switch the- to my Mac.
0: Some of the original concerns about exactly that scenario, though, are things like, how's your neck? How's yes. your head? How does it yes. feel okay. after a while of using it? Mm-hmm. How heavy is it? All that kind of stuff. How's the battery life?
1: Yeah. Well, the ba- so, okay, I'll start with that one. So the battery life hasn't been too much of uh, an issue because I'm sitting at my desk. I just have it plugged in. Okay. Right? So I did actually, on purpose, uh, take it out to the living room and worked for two plus hours until I got a 20% battery warning. Okay. Um to see That's what it was like. Bad.
0: No, Even it's not bad at all. There. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And of course I could have plugged in there too. I was kind of on purpose using the battery. Sure. Uh the the weight isn't too bad. It hasn't bothered me at all, really. Uh I thought that the weight issue would be like a more of a neck issue, Right, right. right. It turns out the only place I feel it is maybe the bridge of my nose and like the bones right under the eyes. Cause okay. the front kind of rests on those a little bit. And it's not that bad. It's just like I kind of feel there's something on there. And, you know, when I take it off, I feel a little bit of relief there, mm-hmm. but only for a few minutes. And then, you know, it's totally. Productive. You
0: don't normally wear glasses, do you? I,
1: I wear reading glasses sometimes. OK, so that's, did you end
0: up getting any kind of these these uh, optical inserts or whatever? Yeah, okay.
1: That's an interesting story, too. So I I just wear non-prescription reading glasses for looking at menus at restaurants, uh, for looking at my own iPhone sometimes, uh, things like that. Uh, And if I actually read like a real thing, you know, words on paper. Um, So I bought them anywhere from 1.5 to 2. Uh, So I opted to get the $100 Zeiss lenses that are 1.75 reading (laughs) glasses, right? I got those and I put those in and I was using it and everything looked fine. Uh, You know after the second time I used, you know, a second hour, maybe Mm -hmm. I thought, let me see how bad it is without them. So I took those out and I had to recalibrate and everything looked better. (laughs) Like the fine, well, actually was a little blurry. I didn't realize the, with, you know, without them, just right, you know, without any lenses, it looked super clear. Interesting. So I'm not sure. I've never really thought much about the science of of reading glasses and lenses and whether there might be different circumstances where you use them, where it's like you can't do without them, or you can, or it's, I don't know. All I know is that, you know, Apple says, hey, if you use reading glasses, get these. And I use reading glasses, so I got them, and it looks better without them. But I certainly cannot look at a, I pick up a paperback and I try to read it without them. Right. Uh, yeah, that's that doesn't work.
0: Yeah. And I'm assuming I mean, the distance for these things for the Apple vision is from your eyeballs is actually really close, right? It's like a few inches. Yeah. That's where even, even a book. Confusing. I mean, you're, you're holding it probably a foot or two at least away from
1: you. So Right. And it's, it's really confusing, too, because, it, you know, I was curious before these things came out, people were speculating online and there were those that were saying, hey, look, this is The objects you're going to see are going to be like across the room, right? You're going to be looking at a virtual display that's five feet in front of you or whatever. And so your eyes are going to react the same as if something's five feet in front of you. So if you see something five feet in front of you, you can read it fine, which is the case with me, then you don't need reading glasses here. And there are other people that say, no, these are an inch from your eyes. Right. Yeah, even though it's virtually looks further, it's really an inch from your eyes. You need these things if things in inch from your eyes are clear. Uh, so I was confused at first to find that they offered these and I got them. And now I'm confused that they work the opposite to what I would have expected.
0: So, one of the things that I'm curious if you've tried, if you're, when you're, you know, without your glasses, yeah. If um, in the Apple Vision Pro, you bring something virtually close to your face, yeah, does it mm. act like um, you need your reading glasses?
1: Unfortunately, you can't bring things too close. Okay. Like, uh, well, probably in some of the 3D environments and games and stuff, you can. There doesn't seem to be a limit there. But like the regular Windows... Like if I were to grab the bar at the bottom and bring it close to me, there's a limit. It hits. I mm-hmm. actually just read something today that Apple Vision Pro OS uh, 1.1 uh, changes that minimum distance and allows you to bring things a little closer. Mm. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, but the, yeah. But But it, it basically allows you to bring things as close as you would expect to be holding like an iPad or right. a phone in front of you, you know, kind of bent arm's length. Um, interesting because
0: there are scenarios. I know people um, who, when there is something that they want to see in fine detail,
1: yeah,
0: uh, they will bring the computer screen, the laptop, in this case, like yeah. within a few inches of their face. Uh, so it's definitely the the close up kind of stuff that we've been talking about. So it'd be interesting if they enable that. Heck, it'd be interesting if they enable that, if only to be able to get a significantly closer look at something um, that you can't, you, that you wouldn't be yeah. able to in any other environment.
1: I mean, the, yeah, you can look at 3d objects. That was another thing about 3d is I was happy to see that, uh, older 3d stuff that well predates this, uh, actually looks 3d. For instance, there's a, uh, web standard for 3d. Mm -hmm. Um, you have to enable it in Safari. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like developer tools and you go in and you enable the web 3d X or whatever it's called. And, um, that stuff, they are, you know, there's like a demo site that runs it and, you know, you can see simple shapes and objects and 3D models and it that stuff works. Like mm-hmm. it actually pops out of the page in real 3D. In addition, Apple also has already had for a while a 3D standard for augmented reality, mm-hmm. which like if you would take your phone and use the camera and it would make like an object, like maybe a something, you a car you wanted to buy or something appear in front of you. Right. Uh, but you're looking through the phone's camera. Right. Uh, you know, that type of augmented reality, that's been out there for a while. And if you go to those examples, that stuff looks real 3D. Matter of fact, the 3D models that they have, the AR 3D models actually appear on a platform in front of you and you could spin them around and, mm-hmm. and turn, the, you know, in all, mm-hmm. all directions. Uh, so that was neat to see for some reason i'm
0: thinking of pokemon go augmented reality oh oh, yeah
1: absolutely (laughs) and a few there are a few you know the few games that actually use 3d stuff like there's you know fruit ninja um that makes 3d objects appear in the room um so there's there's that kind of thing uh yeah so as far as uh, let's see weight um there i did get the first time i used it i got some eye fatigue but i'm pretty good at recognizing like things like that. Like, what is this compared to? And the eye fatigue I got during my first like one hour use of it felt like I had my screen brightness turned up too much. Like, I don't know if you've ever had that where like maybe you were messing with something and you turned up your screen brightness too much and then you just use your computer and then all of a sudden your eyes get fatigued after a while. You're like, oh, I had my brightness turned all the way up. Right. Uh, So that's exactly what it felt like. And so I looked and the brightness was set in the middle. I turned the brightness down. I found everything looked fine. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. was it missing anything with the brightness turned down? Mm-hmm. And no, I haven't gotten any feeling of eye fatigue since then. So I think that was just pure brightness. Everything looks super bright. Uh, so there's so that.
0: I, as far as looking through the device, because that's yeah. obviously one of its big thing. How's that turning out? Is that, I mean, th- does the world look normal?
1: Yeah, it, you know, i I feel it does. I, I've heard reports all over the place with people saying it's horrible. Other people saying it's fantastic. I can't tell the difference. Right. Um, so it's really a very subjective thing. Okay. Matter of fact, there was an argument on Reddit I saw where people were saying, it's like you're looking at the world through a 480p camera. And then somebody <laughs> else said, well, it's more like a 270p camera. Another person said, yeah, I think it's more like a 1080p camera. It's like, what's, <laughs> which is it? Uh, it's It's fine for... What it's meant for, right? You're not gonna, you're not supposed to walk around with this thing and try to experience the world through it, right? If you're, so, if you're yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but you're sitting in your office to be able to like grab your drink, you know, or grab, you know, a, oh, your something's on the desk and you want to grab it, or, mm-hmm. or a book off the shelf next to you. I mean, it's perfectly fine. You could pick up your iPhone and look at it. Matter of fact, I had to do that a bunch of times the first day because there's a lot of two-factor authentication, right? right. Signing on to things the <laughs> first time, you know. Some other device. Yep. I didn't have to take off the uh, take them off to actually do that. I just picked up my iPhone, authenticated with my passcode, and looked at the, you know, the code on the on the screen. Right. And that was perfectly fine. Um, I could, you know, if, uh, my wife comes in, I could talk, have a short conversation with her without having to take it off uh what's her it,
0: reaction to what you look like with this thing on because yeah, supposedly your, your eyeballs are showing at the I've, other side right
1: she says it looks kind of strange but like who cares like is the kind of reaction which i think is i think there's two features that i think are kind of overblown one is that thing with the eyes like i think it is kind of who cares it's right. like they spent a lot of money getting that but I think that, I mean, come on, mirrored sunglasses or really dark sunglasses have been a thing for a long time. Like we don't, if if somebody on the street walks up to us and asks us for the time and they're wearing sunglasses and you can't see their eyes, you don't run away screaming, right? It's fine. (laughs) It's perfectly fine, right? You get it. You're under no illusions what's going on. I think these look fine without that. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody's, uh, you know, if you turn your head and you're, you're actually like motioning, like you're talking. Nobody's going to be like, I didn't know you're talking to me because I couldn't see your eyes. So I think that's kind of like a lot of money spent on a feature that's really tiny Mm -hmm. uh, and not a big deal. Um, So yeah, uh, you know, let's see uh, what else? The comfort's been uh, pretty good. I really haven't, I haven't felt any nausea or anything. I haven't really ever used a VR headset before. Um, so motion sickness and all that stuff, I, there, there was a whole like 15 minute video of a, of, uh, a person tight, uh, tight walking over a a 3000 foot cliff. Yikes. Um, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was cool to look down and look, see, there's nothing under me for 3000 feet. (laughs) And, and like, it didn't even, it didn't bother me at all. Um. So, I you know, movement and things like that didn't really I don't think me. it would
0: it would make me feel nauseous. That's usually not yeah. something I have a problem with, unless like I'm in a roller coaster or something. But I will say that, you know, looking over the edge of a cliff or something like that, yeah. even on TV, that does get some reactions, you know, some some visceral reactions out of my body. So I would suspect that same thing would be happening here,
1: maybe. yeah, I thought it would be for me too, but yeah. it didn't seem to affect me too much, like I don't know, maybe it's because I am I feel myself firmly sitting in my seat or something. I don't know. Right. But right. Um, But yeah, no other kind of ill effects, no headaches or anything from it. Uh, no kind of feeling like, oh, I got to get it off. I find even if I'm done doing a bunch of things like, oh, I want to do this, this, and this. And then I'll, I'll, it's snack break or coffee break, right? right? I'll get to the end of those things. And I'm like, oh, thank God I can take it off right now like a lot of times I'll be like, Oh, I have a few extra minutes. Let me go and check my email again or something like (laughs) it. it, It's fine. I don't feel like I want to, I don't feel like I want to take it off. I don't feel like I need to get it off because I need to do something. And I just want to have my computer screen in front of me. Like it's, it's been pretty good for getting work done. And that's very cool. And yeah, so I've been really happy with it and really excited because it really does seem to be a, uh, like a good solution for, for work. For so getting that's some funny,
0: done. something you mentioned earlier, uh, about how it's not really meant to be worn. Like, you know, when you're walking around or something yeah. like that, there's a video and I'm not sure where I saw it. It's probably TikTok yeah. where somebody pulled up alongside someone who was wearing one of these.
1: Yeah.
0: He was, um, driving his Tesla, Yeah. which was of course in, um, autopilot and wearing his headset and like waving his hand. He was clearly doing something um, unrelated to driving through the, you know, while he was wearing the headset, that would scare the crap out of me. I mean, to me, if I pulled up next to that, the very first thing I would do is let him go, just fall back long distance because, you know, nothing good could come of this.
1: Yeah, that's clearly uh, illegal. Uh, it's illegal to actually wear something that, you know, impede your vision. And I think the state that the driver was in, I think he got a ticket and the state, the driver was in, uh, clarified that, yeah, that's not legal. And I think the federal government clarified that on interstates, that's not illegal, which is, it's sad that they had to waste their time doing that. But you know, these first days people try to do all sorts of stunts. Uh, I, Justine wore hers into a swimming pool, which actually, um, it, you know, in fairness, it's as soon as I saw her, I saw her good review of her just doing it, you know, it, it, normal stuff. And mm-hmm. then she made a fun one of going to a swimming pool. And the first thing I thought of is when I first got my AirPods. Oh, right. And one of the things I thought was, well, these are great, but I would never in a million years wear them in a swimming pool. And four years later, I'm sitting in a swimming pool wearing them <laughs> and thinking, hey, wait a minute.
0: I'm assuming the Apple Vision Pro isn't, you know, like rated for water water no no, know, no, uh, no 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 and did she actually take it in the water or was she just yeah. wearing it really no, she was
1: just, it, yeah not i mean she wasn't getting it wet
0: okay, but okay, just, okay yeah, yeah. and the
1: idea is just to show that you know if you were, you had a swimming pool like right. a lot of people in california do you would sit and you could actually lounge in your swimming pool and get use it to get some work done uh of course uh, Casey, uh NeeStat yep. yeah yep. he he showed he did his video the funniest thing i think about his video is you could have predicted exactly his video like Casey Niestat plus Apple Vision Pro is oh he's going to take it skateboarding around new york city and on the subway yep. and walk around and talk to people that's exactly what he should do <laughs> that's what he's for right? right that's his brand he's the one person that everybody should say you go do this Make right. your video, but a lot of people were, you know, saying, "Oh, I can't believe somebody did this." I'm like, "No, not somebody. The guy that's supposed to do this yeah. did that," <laughs> and and then his and then if you actually take the time to watch it, it's actually a really good video because he talks about some practical things. And he mm-hmm. never goes and says anything like, "We should all be walking around with these." No, he said, you know, he's like, "This is us- unusual. I'll be, I'm being goofy, you know,
0: right. and
1: I'm just saying what you know what I can get away with here. It's early days, uh, but." Uh, yeah, it's for me. I've only worn it in the house. Of course, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't have any plans. Although it does take uh, 3D pictures, so uh, the the thing is, there is that temptation to be like, "Oh man, I'd love to take this thing to the you know the art museum, right?" And you know, when nobody's looking, <laughs> strap it on just to take a couple quick pictures, because the stereoscopic pictures are fantastic. I took some of my pets you know just of course <laughs> around the house and and it's it's incredible it's fantastic 3d pictures uh the i've taken some spatial videos but i took them with my iphone uh, only the iphone 15 pro allows it and mm-hmm. it's using two of the cameras and the cameras are really close together right so you're getting very small like they're almost postcard they, they feel like little postcards in front of you right and i want to try that with the Apple Vision Pro and see if you get a wider perspective. The one thing that I I love and other people have been saying this too, panoramic photos are amazing. And you know the iPhones had the ability for ten years plus to take right. panos, right? And fortunately, I love taking panos. Mm-hmm. I would take them all, when I'm places all around the world of beautiful scenes, knowing that I have no good way to view them. If you view them on a flat screen, they look curved, right. distorted, but I would take them anyway. And so I had this library of hundreds and hundreds of these. And when you look at them in this, they look fantastic. It, they basically create a cylinder around you. right? And except for the fact that it's a still image, right. it, it feels like you're there. Cool. and. What's even better is, of course, these are all photos. I actually was there. I took them. <laughs> so there's not the dissociation of like, oh, here's somebody's pano or here's somebody's 3D right. movie. Right. What am I looking at? It's like immediately your mind locks back into memory to the time you were there. And I swear you could even smell, you know, <laughs> your brain does things like it even, like here I, like, you, oh, here I am in the ocean, you know, in Hawaii or something like that. And your brain is even like, and here's the smell of the right. salt water. And you're like, yeah, I know you're kidding with me, but it feels like that because your brain is is completely tricked by the fact that you're surrounded by the right. scene. So I've just been going through all my panos and so thankful I've taken so many. And to me, it's been like the killer app. It's like, yeah, it may be at $4,000, maybe not. But if this thing was like $2,000 right, and it was a, you know, just view all your panos in real 3D, it would be a, a pretty good buy for a lot of people. And from now on, I'm going to keep taking Panos, but it's going to be even more. No, we right. got to have a legit way to view them. Right. Uh, so it's just
0: fascinating because the- one of the things that there's a lot of speculation about, and I know a lot of, of feeling is, you know, right now it's a very expensive device. Um, yeah. And, uh, To be fair, a lot lot of iPhones, while it's not at the same order of magnitude, comparatively, they're very expensive devices. Mm. The question is, will the price come down over time? Will they improve the manufacturing, do different parts, whatever, however they decide to reduce cost on this thing? Um, Or will it always be a $3,500 starting price? Uh, I think that that also is part of what will drive or prohibit um, general adoption. Uh, cause obviously not everybody can afford 300, you know, 3,500 bucks. I'm assuming that so far the, uh, the folks that have these things basically fall into really only two camps, people such as you, right? Oh. The technical reviewers, press, the folks that, um, you know, use, <laughs> or as, as I do use my business as an excuse to play with technology, but you oh. do have to still write some content about it. Um, or uh, just the people that that have money to burn and are Apple fan people um, and are just really interested in playing with this stuff. I, I'd be interested to see, you know, when that transition starts to happen to, um, for lack of a better term, real users, right? Uh, folks that are using it to actually get stuff done as opposed mm-hmm. to um, use it for the sake of using it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to, it's be one of those things that's going to be hard to pin down. Like you could certainly say that People putting together like high quality videos, for instance, a lot of them are buying $10,000 Mac Pros with, you know, uh, $5,000, multiple $5,000 screens and working in production studios. But then there's somebody who's doing the same thing, struggling a little bit, but doing it on a Mac mini with a $300 screen, (laughs) you know, they're using the same software, right? Right. And it doesn't render as fast. And maybe it takes them a little longer to do stuff. Um, and maybe they have to do some workarounds, but they're kind of able to get there. It's kind of the same thing here. There's going to be people that will just go for this as like the high end solution and do the same work that somebody could do on like, you know, spending a thousand dollars on a Mac mini and a screen. Right. Um, i am reminded also of like when the Apple watch came out, there were a ton of people. I I'm trying to remember what the original price the Apple watch was, if it was 300, or 350 bucks. But a ton of people that said that that's ridiculous to spend that much money on a watch. You can get a ten dollar Timex, right? And uh, but yet Apple was like, okay, you know, fine. And they put put the thing out, and lots of people saying this will fail. I'm never going to own one. That kind of thing. And years from now, you know, years later, now you have tons of people with Apple watches. And not many people talking about the prices anymore. It just it it once people see them and see other people using them, and and more software comes out. Like right now, the software is really limited on this, and it's you know the main use for me is having it as a Mac screen because then I could right. run all the software. But I could totally see more and more, uh, more and more coming out. Apple's got it set up, for instance, for games where they've got this uh, architecture called Metal. And they've got a whole system for bringing, uh, you know, top quality games developed in all sorts of other systems mm-hmm. to Macs using metal, right? And metal is in this too. And so there's a path there for bringing a game, like an a, a AAA game right. to the Apple Vision Pro. Uh, and. The difference being that it would be true 3D, like it would be a true 3D environment. Interesting. The games are I, already 3D, but they're env- being, you know, projected on 2D.
0: Envision something like World of Warcraft, which is, you know, basically yeah. a large environment that's, you know, projected on a flat screen. That would be an amazing experience um, in a true 3D scenario.
1: Right, and I could see, you know, you know, now that this thing could be gotten into the hands of different developers. You know the market is going to play out like this there's going to be one developer with one game that's it's not the top game in the world it's the eighth top game in the world mm-hmm. and they're going to say you know what we could do we could make this thing work on the apple vision pro and then we'd be the number one game right on the apple vision pro like number one in terms of like reviews and sure. acclaim and stuff like that you know we can jump those other seven and do this and so they'll do it. And then number five will do it. And I'm not saying you're going to end up with all the games on Apple Vision Pro, right. but you're going to get some. Plus, you've got systems like, uh, you know, I wonder if N- uh, NVIDIA's uh, GeForce Now system mm-hmm. where you're streaming games, like if oh, they yeah, could yeah. set that up where it's like, no, the games don't need to change, but we'll have our app on Apple Vision Pro right. and we're going to stream the two channels for 3D. Right, just like if you're wearing like a 3D gaming headset, and then we provide that as an app on Apple Vision Pro, fifty dollars a month subscription, and there you go. Now you can play Baldur's Gate three, and you know, right. World of Warcraft, or you know, all, there's a whole t- bunch of you know a titles on that. Um, and that would be that would be a no brainer to me. I'd pay fifty bucks a month to
0: <laughs> you so, know
1: bring my GeForce Now subscription over to this
0: one of the questions that um i've heard and i think i understand the difference but um is what what is it that differentiates this really from things like um uh, metas i guess they have oculus um yeah and i think it also boils down to the difference between vr and ar the you know virtual reality versus augmented reality what i'm hearing mostly from you is well, I'm not sure what I'm hearing. If this is truly virtual reality, you're not being dropped into a virtual world yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but you are kind of virtually setting up your own world with your own desktops and your own screens and so forth. And it sounds like it's also very capable of doing augmented reality, where you know you're looking through the thing, but it's actually throwing a few additional things in front of you at the same time.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, there's definitely the you know the quality of the screens to try to make everything higher resolution. That's like one big differentiator. And then there's the pass through, um, you know, making it augmented reality. I think, uh, I think what really is the big difference is the operating system though. So I think the hardware is actually secondary here in in terms of what Apple's thinking. Like, Mm -hmm. I think what Apple did is they created the the vision OS and said, this is the future. There's going to be windows in space, uh, 3d objects, uh, and you interact with your hands and your eyes um, and here's the hardware we can make right now to actually have that happen mm-hmm. and it's not ideal right uh and maybe in the future we'll be able to replace things with lighter things and easier things I mean, maybe maybe eventually you end up with something that's closer to sunglasses right uh, maybe eventually you end up with something that's contact lenses Mm -hmm. You know, that's 30 years from now or something. but the idea is let's get started with the operating system now. um, And here's, and you could do it with this, but this will be the worst hardware to ever run this operating system. (laughs) Like, it's just going to keep getting better and better. Better
0: from here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, even like the original computers, you know, Macs and PCs, they were, you know, monochrome screens, really small CRTs. Uh, you know, everything was super low resolution, super slow and all of that. But the basic system, the windowing system, the uh, graphical user interface that got out there in the early 80s, thanks to, you know, uh, er- early Windows and Mac. And we have, you know, if you look at that and say, hey, you have to envision what this is going to look like when people have multiple high resolution screens and fantastic mice and trackpads and, you know, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the basis for that, and right. maybe it's kind of the same thing here.
0: Yep. Well, it's interesting. I, I mean, it's 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 very exciting. I, I mean, I'm not going to run out and get one myself, of course, but I think it's very promising. I think it's the fact that so many people, yourself included, are reviewing it as being better than they expected is actually very cool.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I I'm ex- um I'm much more excited now. Four four days after getting it. Mm-hmm. um that I was before I got it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Speaking
0: so, of cool, yes. Let's move on to ain't it cool. So, uh one of the things that uh, we I don't know, are you a Harry Potter fan?
1: Hey, uh, it's all right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. I've read I've read a couple of the books. I've and I've seen all the movies.
0: All the uh, all I seven mean, of them or have you seen the the last? No,
1: just uh, just the seven of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we were in that same bucket up until uh, last week. And we finally decided, you know what? These Fantastic Beasts movies, um, they've been out for a while. They're on streaming. Uh, we should just do it. So that's what we did for the past three nights. We basically did um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and then the two subsequent movies. They were actually kind of fun. Um, they're not all, the, only the first one is really focused on Fantastic Beasts, although the other two um, certainly include some, um, but it tends out to be, you know, more the traditional good versus evil kind of, uh, kind of plot line. But uh, it was interesting. It was fun. It was definitely a, a good time. So that's what I'm throwing in here for Ain't It Cool this week, just the Harry Potter universe and the Fantastic Beasts trilogy. We enjoyed cool.
1: it. So mine is actually something I think that was one of yours previously. Either that, or you mentioned it in your, your, uh, seven takeaways newsletter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but, and when, when you mention a book, usually I add it to my list and then I eventually get around to it. And this was a really good one. Uh, so it's worth mentioning again, algorithms to live by the computer science of human decisions Mm -hmm. is a great book, especially being a computer scientist. Um, so, and I was a really, I mean, i early, I think of all the computer scientists in the world, I got to be in the early one or 2%, right? Because that my degrees from (laughs) the early nineties, you know, so uh, it was early days of like defining what computer science was. And so it's sometimes it's interesting for me to read about computer science as it's defined now, probably just like, you know, you imagine if, uh, you know, early physicists would read you know later in their life about physics and all the developments that have been there since. Right. This book is about algorithms, and uh, it's a lot of it has to do with how you can take computer science algorithms and use them in your everyday life without computers. Mm-hmm. but also uh, how some of the algorithms that computer scientists have figured out how to do things like sorting uh, or optimizing things, they have, after figuring them out mathematically, discovered that human brains already do it. Like, right. you, you know, it's like, OK, so we figured out this is the optimal way to do something. And then we asked a bunch of random people how they would do it. And we found out that this is how the human brain already works. Right? Evolution has already discovered computer science algorithms and we're simply rediscovering them. So it was fascinating reading.
0: I found it I d- I had to look what I saw it on the list this uh, this morning. Um, I went, you know, scurrying over to my Kindle to see if I'd seen it there. And then I realized, oh, no, 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 I didn't get the book. I listened to the audiobook some time yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like you said, I truly, truly enjoyed it. What amazes me is that um, we tend to think of algorithms as being a computer programming or computer science kind of a thing. right? But um, honestly, algorithms are everywhere and have always been. Um, yeah. Anytime you're making a, a, a decision, uh, there's probably an algorithm involved. Cool. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. In terms of blatant self promotion, um, one of the articles I'm going to point to is Set up Windows 11 with only a local account. It's askleo.com slash 167438. What happens is. Apple users probably don't have this same frustration because you've always basically used your Apple account to set up your machines. Mm. But starting with Windows 10, Microsoft really started to push the concept of a Microsoft account to set up your machine and sign into your machine. Since there were so many years and users who were un, you know, just not used to that and didn't really trust Microsoft and, and all that, um, they rebelled and of course, In Windows 10, it was actually a lot easier to set up a a local account, an account that isn't really associated with Microsoft. It's only associated with your PC. In Windows 11, of course, they did a very, very good job of hiding that even more. Um, And we uncovered a couple of different approaches, but the approach that I documented in this article is actually not that difficult and lets uh, lets you do exactly that. Set up a local account and basically have a Windows machine that has no Microsoft account on it at all. Uh, which is like I said, something that Microsoft doesn't like, discourages, and basically tries to make almost impossible, but it's yep. not it's possible.
1: It's it's a similar situation on uh Macs now. Apple really wants you to set up your Apple your Mac account with an Apple ID.
0: I thought and you couldn't set it up any other way now.
1: No, you definitely you can I have a like my uh demo accounts. I create demo accounts all the time for tutorials and you just gotta say no a lot. Uh um, you say you know, but no, I, I don't I, want yeah.
0: That's, um. you've got, on whatever machine you're doing that on, you have at least one Apple account, right?
1: Oh, yeah. So, good point. Yeah, I, I but... think you can, no, I'm pretty sure you can still just say no and I'll do it later a bunch of times at the beginning with a brand new Mac. Okay. And it just, you're going to lose a lot of abilities, obviously all the cloud stuff and all that. Exactly. And one of the main abilities you're going to lose is if you forget your password. Right. Um, There's a. There's a. Basically, you could go and use your Apple ID to get back in. So if you deny all that, set up a password, and then forget the password. Yeah. There's nothing you could do. Like you've encrypted the machine. Same
0: issues on Microsoft on Windows. Um. You know, same thing. You know, you don't get access to the cloud stuff, which honestly is what some of some desperately want to avoid because Microsoft has been really ham-handed in pushing OneDrive on people these days. But yeah. um, but the, the concept is to have a machine with absolutely no Microsoft account at all. Certainly, you could create local accounts once you've got a machine set up with a Microsoft account. And there are good reasons to do that for a variety of things. But the password scenario is a, is a real one. And there are definitely some cautions people have to take along the way.
1: One of the things that frustrates uh, Apple users with the Microsoft stuff is if you use Microsoft Office, Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the, It really pushes you to save your files to OneDrive. Yes. Um, but you can't say, no, no, no. I really do just want to save a regular file on my drive here. You know, you could push it. It doesn't give you versioning when you do that. Um, True. Yep. So the interesting thing is that Mac OS has built-in versioning. So normally, if you just take a normal app and you save a document out, you can go and say, revert to my previous version. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft app, Microsoft Docs, you can't. So on the one hand, it says, hey, use OneDrive and you get versioning. On the other hand, if you don't want to use OneDrive, we specifically disabled versioning. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So people get really frustrated, especially if you're not like, if your whole life isn't in the Microsoft ecosystem. Right. You just want to create an occasional Microsoft Word doc or Excel yep. doc. Then you're like, I don't want those to be somewhere else. Yeah, I the- want them to be with my other stuff.
0: The equivalent that people have with Microsoft stuff and OneDrive is even on Windows, uh, Microsoft pushes you very, very hard to to save your uh, Microsoft Word or Microsoft Office documents to OneDrive. And they do that primarily by making it really easy to do and really hard to change the default. Um, you can still change the default so that you're saving files on your machine, um, but it's just not necessarily obvious and you have to make the change in a couple of different places, in each app, that kind of thing. Um, fortunately, uh, if people have enabled a feature called file history, um, yeah. you get versioning in both places, but, uh, but yeah. Cool.
1: Um, the one, I, the video I'll point out is I did, I did do a video in the Apple vision pro I decided since everybody else was doing reviews and riding subways and driving cars. Um, I would just do one that was like an actual how to video. So I did a 20 tips for using the Apple vision pro, um, Just, which kind of serves the same purpose. You get to see what it's like to use one, but I'm actually showing like, you you know, do this, do this, do this, uh, just to be the first.
0: Your audience, um, for that really doesn't exist, right? The people that are using Apple vision pro probably don't need 20 tips, The people that are interested in the 20 tips don't yet have the Apple vision pro, but as you say, it's a great, it's, it's a different way to look at the device um, that they're, that they're. Trying to learn about.
1: Exactly. I'm sure 99% of the people watching it are just, just want to see the Apple vision pro in action. Yeah. They're not actually getting the tips. Right. Yeah. So very cool. cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for another week. Yeah. Um, as always, thanks for, <laughs> for, um, uh, suffering through the disconnection efforts or problems that we had and, uh, Hopefully, I know that Connie will have done a great job making us sound a lot better than we actually did.
1: Yeah, sorry, Connie. <laughs> yeah,
0: give her some work to do. Um, anyway, we will see you again next week. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Right, bye. The show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com, teh214. If you have a comment or question for us, be sure to leave it on the show notes page. The TEH podcast is hosted by Leo Notenboom of askleo.com and Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com and edited by Connie Delaney. I'm your synthetic announcer, Adam, from 11labs.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you here real soon.